It's that tune-up game between Christmas and New Year's, and you never really know what to expect or what you're going to get. But I tell you what, I saw a championship mentality from this Carolina basketball team on Friday night. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, January 1st, 2024. I said it right the first time last year. It took me like a month to get the new year right. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. Yes, even on New Year's Day, we are here together. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you, in particular you everydayers, for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch to get your team every day this episode is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started hey if you're new to the show it's like hey new year's resolution I'm listening to this new podcast what's up welcome in we're glad you're here Come join our Locked on Tar Heels Discord. We're hanging out all the time talking Carolina. The link for that is in the show notes, both on audio and video. Folks, I am stupid excited for the new year. I joked about a second ago, my resolution for this year is when I introduced the show to actually say 2024. I think it took me till February last year to actually start saying 2023. In all seriousness, though, I I look forward to this year with such great anticipation. I'm excited for another year of diving in together on this show with all of you. Um, I'm excited to talk Tar Heels, excited to see where we go with this thing this year. Because, yes, I'm the mouthpiece of it. I'm the voice of it. But this show, this community belongs to all of us. And I hope you feel that ownership of it just like I do, because we have an opportunity to do some really neat things together. This is going to be a fun week, too, as we get back into kind of game action with uh, the Carolina basketball team getting into ACC play, all the other winter sports kicking back up. We're looking ahead to spring sports. Lots of great stuff on the horizon. But today, we are here to recap Carolina's win over Charleston Southern. Carolina scores a season high and a Hubert Davis era high 105 points by beating Charleston Southern by 45 in what's basically a pick your own margin type of game. So uh, we're going to talk RJ Davis because you have to. (laughs) We're going to talk four corners recap and our shady stat of the game. But where I want to start is kind of what I've been hinting at already. The Tar Heels in this game showed me exactly what I needed to see from them in this type of game. I know it's Charleston Southern. I know it's not a high-level opponent, but there are things that you can glean from these types of games. I even learned something from this game that I didn't expect to, but I've been hoping for all season. We'll touch on all that here in just a second. So let me discuss some of the ways that Carolina showed me what I needed to see from them against Charleston Southern. Number one, and the key was the defensive intensity. This is a game where it would be very easy to just be like, all right, let's outscore them, right? And then you play 
Ole defense or whatever it is. But I mean, it just a, a couple examples. There were three minutes and 33 seconds left in the game that Carolina was up by 41. And here they are forcing a shot clock violation. They're that dialed in up 40 plus points early in that, like five minutes into the game where there's like 14, 17 left in the first half. Carolina hits a free throw. I think it was Harrison Ingram free throw and you get a trap in the corner. I mean, and it was a deadly trap in the corner. It was Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram just getting after it. I mean, it was like four walls between the sideline baseline and those two dudes forcing a Charleston Southern time. Like those kind of things is what Carolina is doing in a game where again, they could have very simply said, you know what? We're just going to outscore this team tonight. And that'll be that. No. This team showed that defensive intensity that they're going to need to continue to grow to match the offensive efficiency. Second, and and this is maybe the big picture thing with this, what I'm talking about, seeing what I needed to see from the team is to me, there was zero example of playing down to the competition level. The Tar Heels took a double digit lead with 1245 left in the first half. And it never again dipped into single digits. They had a 23-point halftime lead. And that margin never dipped below 20 in the second half. And again, I know it's Charleston Southern, but hear me say this. How easy would it have been in this game to just ever so slightly start taking your foot off the gas and letting these guys hang around with you. And I know they're not a good basketball team right now. It's just Charleston Southern just has a lot going on, and, and you feel for them with that. But think about the context of this game. It's the, the Friday right after Christmas, right before New Year's weekend. It is a game against a team that's outside the top 200 in the nation right after you've just played a threesome of UConn, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, and you're about to start ACC play and go on the road to play Pitt, Clemson, and NC State. And you got Charleston Southern in between. It's your first home game in a minute. Everything surrounding honoring Eric Montross. So you could understand and forgive the Tar Heels if ever so slightly they let off in this game instead of being a 45-point margin was 25. But elite teams punish inferior opponents. They step on them and do not let up. That's what happened in this game. That's what champions do. Critically, as part of that, the bench delivered in a big way. 43 points from Carolina's bench to just six from Charleston Southern's, by the way. And it was multiple guys. We had great balance scoring from the Tar Heels. Six different players uh, scored double-digit points. Jalen Washington was probably the key to all this. Career-high 17 points on seven of nine from the field, including two of three from deep. When he's like that pick-and-pop game, when he's out there executing that, it takes this team to a whole new level. And it's incredible. And there was, I think it was his first three. You love to see him set that screen for RJ. RJ drags both guys almost to the basket before he pitches it back. You love that patience from RJ. You love the patience from Jalen to stay out at the three-point line. And then he is wide open for this thing. Unreal. Uh, Not to mention, Jay Wash also had seven boards in two blocks. Really strong game for him in about 16 minutes. Seth Trimble, 
also great off the bench, tied his career high, 12 points on six of 10 shooting, six boards, one assists, importantly, zero turnovers, those kind of things. Love to see James Aconquo getting in, getting his first points as a Tar Heel. In fact, he got seven of them. The first of which I think was that free throw that he took when he entered after uh, Wojcik took that elbow or the, the scrape, whatever it was that that forced him out of the game for a minute there. Um, but then he got a layup, hit some other free throws. It was great stuff. Great to see that um, for Okonkwo getting in and scoring. Um, Coach Rob talked about it late last week. Like, um, what what do the starters, and in particular um, RJ and Arm- RJ Davis and Armando Baycott, what do they do to show love to the bench guys and the walk-ons by taking care of business? And that's exactly what happened, which allowed the bench to flourish. And as it should have been, the bench played a season high 44.5% of the minutes in this game. Love it. I, I would take even more, but hey, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Another thing I love to see, talking about uh, Carolina showing me what they needed to in this game. Zayden High's technical foul. Now, I know you might disagree with this and say, look, he's got to control himself better, blah, blah, blah. I, th- I Listen, I thought both guys were at fault here, and there was almost some like, the, it began with him handing that, that Charleston Southern player the ball instead of just throwing it to the referee. I don't know if he was trying to be kind of a turd or if like maybe he just didn't think about it, but the, the ref came in and it looked like I'm not a great lip reader. Y'all, I'm so bad at reading lips, but it looked like the ref stepped in and said, stop it um, to, to Zayden. And then they got, got into it again on the next play under the basket, whatever. And he was teed up for that. But here's why I like it. I love seeing him this passionate, this on edge, pl- playing with this type of edge even against Charleston Southern, right? Like you expect this kind of reaction as tempers are flying against um, a strong defensive team, like a Tennessee, or when you play, I don't know, who's a, you know, just a rugged, like when you go play Pitt this week, or when you play Clemson, you expect that, or in a rivalry game against State or Duke. But my man Zayden High is getting into it in this type of game, and I love it. There, there are multiple dudes on this team that play with that type of edge, and he is certainly one of them. But what I also loved is that after he was teed up, it's probably the ringleader on this team of playing with edge, Cormac Ryan, who stepped in to, to kind of calm the freshman down, just help him gather himself. And it, it, there was no yelling. The guys weren't upset. There's just like, hey, look, it's it's good. We move on. And so I love to see Cormac just, again, he knows the balance of how to play with that edge. And there, there's almost like some teaching Zayden how to do that. And so I'm here for it. So all of these things and more, I love to see Carolina doing what they need to do against Charleston Southern to get that tune up, get ready to go on the road to play Pitt tomorrow night, Tuesday, and to do those kind of things. Again, this to me is what elite teams do. And as you see other ACC teams around the nation strut, like Virginia losing to Notre Dame. Uh, what? Florida State losing um, at home to, like to Lipscomb. Thank goodness Carolina came back and won that game. Goodness. But Carolina's taking care of business here to set them up to go into the, the final 19 games of the regular season and do what they need to do. Now, obviously, 
the ringleader of this whole thing. And the reason Carolina is sitting where they are right now is because RJ Davis is just playing absurd basketball. You love to see it and you don't want it to ever stop. So I, I just want to talk about him individually again, because I don't know about you, but I can't get enough of it. I am here for every bit of this RJ Davis love. And we'll get more into that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season, regular season anyway, is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Their app is really easy to use, and there's a whole bunch of different ways to bet, like same-game parlays. They have a new Explore tab that you can help find bets in. It's, it's just an easier way to navigate. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find all the popular parlays. Or how about some specific college basketball odds? The Wooden Award odds are out at FanDuel. Obviously, Zach Eady leads the way. It would be silly if he didn't. But RJ Davis has moved himself up to sixth in the odds at plus 4,000. The nation is recognizing what this young man is doing. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. Get in on betting with Wooden Award or any of this other stuff. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. R.J. Davis. You just can't quit talking about what he's doing. And I hope that that is a season-long trend. I, I can't get enough of it. It's so insane. Anytime you're the first person at North Carolina to do something that no one else at Carolina has done ever, that's saying something. And RJ Davis did exactly that on Friday night. Why? He became the first ever Tar Heel, just recorded anyway, to have a game in which he had this combination 20 points. 10 assists, 5 steals, 0 turnovers. Per Carolina's post-game notes, first to ever do it. And when Steve Kirshner says it, I believe it. By the way, that 5 steals, career high for RJ. And oh, by the way, this stat line and everything he's doing is in a game where he only had to play 26 minutes, which is another part of Carolina taking care of business. That was the most anyone on the Tar Heels played. Nobody played more than 26 minutes. That's exactly what you need in this game. So we, we talk about RJ. The scoring is what's going to come up first. Sure. Eight straight games of 20 or more points. The first to do that since Tyler Hansborough in the championship season of 08-09. What a progression for this dude among his four years of playing for the Tar Heels. His first year averaged 8.4 points a game. His sophomore year, 13.5. Last year, 16.1. And this year, he's up five and a half points a game to 21.6. I mean, it's just insane what RJ is doing. And I mean, you look at that and you think, oh, that's really good, right? Yes, absolutely it is. He's one of just three players in the entire ACC averaging 20 or more points a game. The others are Blake Hinson at 20.3 from Pitt, who we'll see on Tuesday night. And then PJ Hall from Clemson at 20.5, who we'll see at Clemson on Saturday. But RJ leads the way at 21.6. 
What about nationally? RJ is eighth in scoring nationally. And that's that's including everyone in Division One. If you narrow it down to just the Power Six conferences, remember in football, Power Five, but in basketball, we include the Big East because they're ridiculous as well. He is third amongst the Power Six schools behind only Zach Eady, who we just talked about, and then Illinois' Terrence Shannon Jr., whose points per game scoring numbers probably going to stay right where it's at for a while. So, RJ, I mean, wow, 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 wow. But here's the great thing. A lot of those really, really high-level scores you think about as like ball hogs or needing a bunch of shots to do it. No. RJ is doing this efficiently. He, as a guard, is shooting 44% from the field. He's shooting a career-high 38.9% from three. Yes, he's up to that now. And as you well know, is 94.9% from the free throw line. His career free throw shooting percentage up to 86.5%. Yeah. So RJ's doing this efficiently. He's not needing... 20 shots to get to 20 points. But also, he's not doing it as a ball hog. He is sharing. Let's talk about RJ Davis's passing. On Saturday, obviously, or excuse me, on Friday, obviously we talked about it, had 10 assists. And what he's doing as a distributor is allowing Coach Davis to not have to rely on Elliot Cadeau as much as maybe we all thought he would coming into the season. And not that that's, you know, it's like, you want Elliot to have those minutes, but it's nice. Like I, I said all off season long and here I am sitting with my hand up saying, boy, did I have this wrong saying, I, I don't think RJ Davis is the point guard that Elliot Cadeau is. I think he's going to be a great shooting guard and um, benefit greatly from having Elliot. But man, RJ has found some of that, what, what he played with as a, as a point guard in his sophomore years, Carolina was making their run. I think a lot of that was when Coach Davis, it really felt like differentiated RJ and Caleb's roles more than happened last year, as we hoped it would do. Um, and now you see both these guys, again, flourishing, which y- you love, man. Uh, y'all all saw Caleb's dunk over the weekend against Cal, right? Woo-hoo-hoo, that was sick, man. That was just silly. But I love to see both of these dudes flourishing. But what... RJ is doing as a distributor, again, allows Coach Davis to not have to play he and Elliot together all the time. I love to see it when they are, but it's given Elliot more time to grow and mature at his own rate. So 20 points, 10 assists. This is RJ's first ever points and assists double-double. It's his fifth total, but the other four were all points and rebounds. Yes, I love that RJ Davis rebounding as a six-footer. Um, and and the the best dime of the night was when our I think it was off the right baseline. RJ spins, crafty ball handling, gets to the rim, and oh by the way, draws a defender from the left post position. And so here comes Jalen Withers cutting baseline. RJ just drops it off to him for a vicious two handed dunk. Now here's part of why I bring up that specific play. RJ, he. He gets to the rim. Obviously, he could just throw up what would be a tough shot, contested. But he makes the right play. And I love that. Even for this dude who is efficiently scoring 21 points a game, he has 
not only zero problem, but wants to find teammates in the best position to score and help the team win. Because he knows if it's just me, that doesn't make us better. I've got to do things to make us as a team better. He's bearing the weight of the Tar Heels on his shoulders, and those shoulders are wide enough and strong enough, and I love it. That play, that drop-off for Jalen Withers is a great example of that. Um, he's t- Here's the thing. For RJ, not only is his scoring up, but he is tied for his career high in uh, assist average per game with that sophomore year. Um, But here's the kicker. His assist to turnover ratio is better than that season. It's 2.3 right now. He's never had a season above two before. His highest prior to this was 1.9. And oh, by the way, when we're talking about passing, he's not turning the ball over. That's that assist to turnover ratio we're talking about. In the last two games, when he has 10 assists and five assists, zero. Zero giveaways to go along with that. No turnovers from RJ. So the last two games, 15 assists, zero turnovers when you combine that together. Oh, by the way, that's also as he, as we said, ups his free throw average, ups his three-point average. All, All of these numbers, all these stats I'm throwing at you are phenomenal. But here's the kicker. Once again, RJ has said, this is my team. Come on, boys, get on this back. It's wide enough, it's big enough, and it's strong enough for all of you. So while the numbers are phenomenal, it's the way he's taking leadership and ownership that sets apart what he's doing. R.J. Davis should be on every first ballot All-ACC. R.J. Davis, you know, I think right now he and P.J. Hall have to be your clear front front runners for ACC Player of the Year. Obviously, there's a long way to go to figure out what's going to happen. But right now, it's a two-horse race for me between those two guys. And R.J. Davis should be on every first-team All-American ballot right now. You know, Again, long season, we'll see what happens. But as we sit here right now, there is no doubt that that's where R.J. Davis should. That's the company he should be keeping. All right, we want to get to our four corners recap of this game and the shady stat of the game to wrap things up. And we'll do that in just a second. Okay, four corners recap. Here we go. One of these at a time. Just four other things to highlight from this game. Number one, the Eric Montross tribute. Uh, this is the first game back in the Smith Center since uh, since Eric died and passed away. I guess that's just one thing. I shouldn't say died and passed away since Eric passed away. The pregame recognition was was beautiful. I had multiple people who were in the building reach out and and just discuss um, the the feeling and emotion of it and how impactful it was. The moment of silence is great. But what did me in and, and what I thought was the most touching thing was leaving his chair empty at the scorer's table. Some flowers just sitting right there on the scorer's desk where he would be. And the decision for Jones angel to call this game solo with no color analyst beside him. What, what a beautiful way to honor this man's life and legacy. And, you know, to, to have his seat and his Jersey um, spotlighted like that. I mean, it's just, it's a great move. Because a lot of times when somebody leaves us, 
the hole that they left is quickly filled in, right? Like if I, here's some water. If I scooped some water out of this thing, other water would just fill it right back in and, and you wouldn't even really notice it was gone. So what, to me, what a fitting way to remind us all of just one of the multitude of ways in which we miss this man's presence, his gargantuan presence, I might add, um, as part of the Carolina family. Now, that's just one representation of the multitude of things he did as part of this family, but a great way to show it in the in the context and setting of a game. Well done, Carolina, and uh, whoo, boy, that hit. So that's four corners recap point number one. Number two, uh, we talked about RJ taking care of the ball, but it was not just him. You'll recall that on Friday show, if you didn't catch that, make sure to go back and listen to or watch it, that um, Coach Rob had said, look, I I want uh, Coach Davis to challenge RJ and Elliot to leave this game with zero turnovers. And they didn't quite get there, but they got very close to it. You already know that RJ had 10 assists, zero turnovers. Elliot had three assists, just one turnover. So combined 13 to one. While, you know, that's not hitting Coach Rob's challenge, boy, you'll take a 13 to a one assist to turnover ratio. Not to mention that the other guard who handles the ball the most, Seth Trimble, and he handled it more than he normally would in point guard duties just because of the uh, the way the game played out. Um, he he uh, assumed more of those minutes than usual and had just one assist, but also zero turnovers. So the three main ball handlers, 14 assists, one turnover. You'll take that every single game. But here it is as a team. We got to look at what Carolina did because that as well is wildly, wildly impressive. This season, they have now had one, two, three, four, five, six games in which the Tar Heels have had single digit turnovers. You love that, especially at the play at the pace Carolina plays at. And I'm, you know, I'm not looking at turnover percentage right here, just total turnovers. But of those six games, three of them have come in the last four. The lone double-digit turnover game in that stretch has been Kentucky. And it's super because obviously against Charleston Southern, it's like, yeah, we, you know. But still, again, if you take your foot off the gas a little bit, like we talked about earlier, you get sloppy and just start throwing the ball around. Instead, the Tar Heels have a season low five, five turnovers. You'll take that. And nobody had more than one. No Tar Heel had multiple turnovers in this game. But the thing is, against UConn, what was then a season low, seven turnovers. Against the reigning national champions, and then uh, nine single digits again against Oklahoma last week, a team that is known for its defensive prowess. I am very encouraged by the way this team is taking care of the basketball. Why? Because the more you hold on to the ball, the more you don't commit silly turnovers, the, the more opportunities you have to score, the more opportunities you have to get shots up and, and do what you need to do to hold the ball. I love to see it. All right, number three in our four corners recap. This is a quick one. But I want to make sure to point out Harrison Ingram's consistency. You know, there's so much love being thrown around to all sorts of other people. But did you know that there's only one Tar Heel that scored in double digits in every game this season? And ain't RJ Davis. It's Harrison Ingram. 
Harrison Ingram has scored in double digits in all 12 games. What He's just one of those dudes that you look up and it's like, oh, he's affected this game in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. And he's quietly having a really good year in particular from three. Again, we've talked about it, how, how he would thrive when he didn't have to be the guy. He's shooting 45% from three, making 23 of his 51 attempts. Come on, Harrison Ingram, keep bringing that noise. Number four on our four corners recap. This is something that I've been super excited for. Remember I said earlier we learned something that I uh, didn't expect to learn? Well, Coach Davis used a lineup combination that he had not used all year long and i've been waiting for it it's the jumbo package that i've been looking for and yes i went back and double checked all of the uh lineup combinations and this is indeed the first ever time this season we've seen this lineup you ready for it rj davis cormac ryan harrison ingram jalen washington and armando baycott we have not yet had washington and baycott in together so basically it's you take the five starters, pull out Kadob, put in Jalen Washington. And again, as we said, because RJ is doing such a good job, not just at scoring, but distributing, it allows Coach Davis to try these different types of combinations. And I love to see it. You know, Carolina's had a little bit of a rebounding problem. They rebounded from that in a massive way, again, against Charleston Southern, but they still went out and did it. You get this jumbo front court of Jalen Washington and Armando Baycott together. It allows Harrison Ingram to slide back down to kind of his more natural three and Cormac Ryan to slide back down to the two where Carolina is more often than not going to have a, a height advantage, both like at two, three and four in that sort of lineup. That combination played four minutes and 15 seconds together. They outscored Charleston Southern 13 to 10, but they scored at just over two points per possession. You're looking to just get to one, and they doubled that. So we'll take it. Had two rebounds, a steal, no turnovers, four assists, whatever. I mean, it's such a small sample size, but that that um, grouping played the second most minutes together of any grouping. I'm really hoping we see more of this lineup combination. So be, be on the lookout for that. Will we see more? Again, it's RJ. RJ Davis, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, Jalen Washington, and Armando Baycott. I think this lineup used correctly because it, it does have a, a potential to get pick and rolled to death if, if the opponent's playing the right team. But then there's a big advantage for Carolina on the other end as well. And also keep in mind, because of Jalen Washington's shooting ability, you got four legit outside threats surrounding Armando even though you've got that height advantage. So there's a lot of possibilities with it. I'd love to see more of it. All right, let's wrap with the shady stat of the game. And it's uh, this game, but it's something we've seen kind of season long is what I like to call spurt ability. Carolina had a 14-0 run in the first half of this game. And that's what I call spurt ability. Just the, a, a team's important ability to be able to go on a tear and make up a deficit or push out a lead, whatever it may be. And looking season long, per again, per Carolina's post-game notes, this is the eighth game of the first 12 in which Carolina has had a run of 10-0, like a 10-0 run or more within the game. And it's not just against the inferior opponents with all due respect to them, 
But in addition to Lehigh, UC Riverside, Northern Iowa, this has happened against Villanova, Tennessee, Florida State, and Kentucky, and then Charleston Southern. So Carolina has this, what I like to call spurtability that you can watch for to see, do they get kind of this, I think it's Evan Mia that calls it a kill shot when you get a 10-0 run or more. So love to see this. That's my shady stat of the game. 14-0 run. You want to see those happening all the time, especially when you start going on the road. So speaking of that, on tomorrow's show, we're going to get you ready for the return to ACC play in the first true road game of the season. Yes, this game at Pitt is the first time Carolina will have played a true road game this season. Hey, thanks for tuning in and hanging out with me on New Year's Day. It's great to be back together recapping this big time win. If you would, go and join our Discord. We'd love to have you there. The link's in the show notes. You can email us, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Subscribe on video and audio. Please rate and review the show. Five stars. Let us know why you love it. Smash the like button if you're watching so we know you're here. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this win over Charleston Sun. Want to remind you, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to be back with you tomorrow. But until then, peace.